to be here, isn't it? All right, some of you need some convincing. <laughs> We're glad to be here, that's for sure. It's good to see your beautiful faces. I was so sad to miss you last week. I, I was struck down with a bout of the man flu. I feel like I'm not really getting any sympathy from at least 50% of the room. Uh, but I tell you, lesser men, lesser men would not be here this week. <laughs> uh, you were so brave. I was so. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, I tell you, I was, I was weeping, weeping to not be with you, but watching Wales and Australia play at rugby did, <laughs> did slightly soften the blow. Um, but it is great to be here today, and um, we have brought the Bible readings with us, haven't we? Well done, Katie. We've got three Bible readings. And, uh, you know, honestly, I was just, as, as Katie was reading them one by one, I thought, oh, each one of them deserves a sermon of its own. And so we've written three, and we're going to bolt them together. <laughs> Strap yourselves in an hour and a half of preaching. Here we go. No, that's not what's happening. It might well be. An hour it might well be. No, um... You know, honestly, it's, it's a funny thing because we are going to spend the next uh, little while sharing our vision uh, of what this is. Uh, I suppose you might say our purpose uh, as a church. And it feels slightly strange to be doing this because a large part of what we want to do is to tell our story, to tell the story of where we've been in the last three years. And, and a, a part of the reason it feels strange is because we don't really have anything new to tell you. There isn't a, a major... Um, initiative we're about to launch uh, <laughs> or inflict upon you. I don't know which, launch for you or inflict upon you. There are some things, ways for you to be involved in, in new ways, and we're going to be talking about those particularly next week. Um, we're doing this in two parts. But really what we have to say is a continuation of everything we've been saying. And that somehow feels, for pastors, for people who are, it feels strange, it feels slightly anticlimactic. It feels like in order to justify our existence, we really should be able to say something. There's just water. It keeps coming. Where's it coming from? Are you very thirsty? You've got a cotton mouth. Um, it feels just like there should be something new or something. And, and I guess there is a newness to what we want to say today. But really, we're going to say and, uh, and share with you the same things we've been saying in, in pretty similar language for the last few years. And, and as, as I said, next week we will be having an opportunity to spend some time talking about how we get involved in this vision. We're going to do that in a number of different ways. We're going to talk about how we do that in, in terms of our lives of prayer, how we do that in terms of uh, community and going deeper in our faith, and also in terms of how we do that uh, financially, how we commit ourselves to what God is doing here with every aspect of our lives, because we just believe that Jesus cares about all of it. There's no part of a human life that Jesus doesn't want to say, mine. That belongs to me. That's what his vision is for our, our lives. And so that involves financial giving. And alongside those uh, uh, alpha invites, which you are taking and passing to your friends, we also have uh, these envelopes, envelopes. Is it envelope or envelope? I never really know. Envelopes. We'll go for envelopes. And we want you to take these away with you this week. And we're going to talk more about them next week. But we want you to take them away and pray this week <laughs> that if you're part of the family here, if you're not, uh, don't worry. But if you're part of the family here or considering becoming part of the family, we want you to prayerfully consider with God 
uh, in prayer, well, what does it look like for me? What am I being called into in terms of financial generosity? We'll talk about that more next week, but I didn't want to begin without mentioning it. So for the next little while, we want to tell a story, remind you, for those of you who've been part of the story for a while, who we are, where we've been, what we're about. And for those of you who have arrived here new, you've been dragged here, unsuspecting by somebody this morning. Uh, and uh, we want to share with you uh, some of that as, as uh, new information. Like Johnny said, um, some of you might have um, heard this before, and we do have some visual aid of some uh, photos uh, from the past, which some of you are in, uh, which might sort of you know, bring some warmth to your heart um, as we go. So take a look at those. Um, but really, the vision does begin with our story. Um, and so in 2016, uh, Johnny and I and a group of eight adults and eight kids, one was currently still in utero, uh, moved to Nottingham in the summer. And, uh, and we were asked to plant a, a city centre church as part of a bigger vision um, to see the renewal in this city and in this region. So we said yes, got very excited and moved. Um, and, uh, and in London, before we moved, Johnny and I had uh, done a church planting course uh, where we met, I think it was weekly for six weeks, um, where they would basically ask us, and Craig and a few others were there, Will, um, and, uh, and they would ask us to put our strategy on the whiteboard. And honestly, since we'd never done this before, never planted a church, we kind of didn't have um, a real strategy to put up. So we went to the default mode, which was, well, we want this to be God's church, so we're just going to pray and we're going to worship and we're going to wait for God to speak. Um, and so when we arrived in Nottingham, that's what we did. That's all we did. That was the strategy we had was to worship him and to wait on his presence and see um, where he was going to be guiding us. So we did that. Uh, we did it in our home for a little while in our front room. It got uh, overcrowded quite quickly. And so we actually ended up meeting here um, that looked very different to this. I think there were pi dead pigeons everywhere. This was a derelict building in 2016 um, and so we would meet in here there was a big wall here with a big star that was quite random um, but we used to we met and it was very cold and we worshipped and we prayed and we waited uh, for God to meet with us and honestly he was with us it was so exciting you know amongst the not great circumstance God was in our midst and he was building his story um, that started in this space so we did that for a while um, at the same time we then also met in our house um, on the morning of a Sunday um, to do kids church so we had uh, a time where the kids who were involved in the church and some of our local community came into our house and basically painted my walls <laughs> and my floor um, but it was really great again a really sweet time where God was moving um, in our kids, even at that um, early date. So worship and wait in here, kids church in a house, all going well until uh, we realized that we were actually breaking the law, uh, meeting in this derelict building without insurance and all the other stuff that we probably should Health have. and safety, somebody <laughs> mentioned that word, didn't we? And we ran a mile, literally a mile yeah. down Hell, the road. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so 
realized that we needed to leave this place. St. Barnabas, an amazing uh, church uh, just across the city in Woolerton, said, hey, we'll, you know, we'll host you. You can come and use our space. And so we again met for a season um, in a church called St. Barnabas, um, where we met there on a Sunday night where the um, community was building. It really felt like um, God was moving among us. We had some really sweet times there. We had our first carol service there. Um, who remembers the carol service? Anyone? Yes. Um, we had some great meals and really great times of prayer. Um, and so it's over to you, I think. Chapter Which led us to, uh, we came to a point really where we felt like there was a momentum with what God was doing and uh, new people were coming and wanting to be part of it. At this point, nothing was public, <clears throat> particularly, although anyone could come if they could find out about it. And we were glad to welcome people in. But it felt like there was a momentum that we really wanted to sort of... Um, get on board with. God was doing something and it, it felt like it was the right time to come back here. So we started uh, praying um, that we might be able to be back here and begin worshipping together for our first public services on Easter Day 2017. So about nine months after we arrived. And we did a couple of paint parties. I think we've got some pictures of those uh, paint parties. <clears throat> um, and uh, loads of you came, or some of you at the very least, came and painted the walls. Some of you are still probably trying to get the paint from under your fingernails. Uh, and we just did everything we could. We had builders doing everything that they could to get us in. And we got there. It was a holy week. I think the, the first service we ever had was Wednesday, uh, Thursday, in fact, Thursday, the holy week. Wednesday night, we, we filled the downstairs space where the kids now meet. We had our sound equipment um, <clears throat> delivered and we were ready to go for our first service, which was Maundy Thursday. And we got in here Thursday morning and we found we'd been burgled. And uh, I remember getting the phone call. I think it was from Joanne. I can't remember. Joanne or Craig. And I, yeah, my initial response was amazing. There's opposition. That must mean we're onto something. And uh, it did feel like that night, Monday, Thursday, we were onto something. The God was with us in the most profound way. And it felt like it was, he, he was just blessing us. He was just saying, look, whatever, whatever equipment you've got. And they stole some really strange things. If you're listening to this, uh, burglars, what were you doing? A lot of bleach. I think they, they stole bleach. They stole blue kitchen roll. And they stole some expensive stuff too. But it was so random. Anyway... Um, that, that Sunday, we gathered, having experienced God's presence on the Maundy Thursday, and we gathered together. And, and look, if, if you've, we just had that sense of trepidation. Whenever you're doing anything new, some of you I know have just had children. That trepidation that you have when they let you leave the hospital, and like, no, I'm not in, I don't know what I'm doing. We just felt that same feeling, that oh, what on earth do you do? And the feeling was, was both, what if too many people come? What if we've not got enough seats? And also the feeling was, what if nobody comes? But as you can see from the screen, some people came, and it was amazing, and uh, it was a, I don't know, honestly, it was a blur. It was a blur. Um, I'm not sure what was said or what was sung, but uh, we gathered, and I did have one conversation that morning that has stuck with me, and many of you know this story, but I met with a man called Don who showed up at the building, and he had just popped out to get the paper, really, and to look... Um, to come check out what we'd been doing, because he'd heard that the place had been bought for a church. And it turned out, and Don, I saw Don at the door, and I welcomed him in, and he said, I'm not staying, I've just come to look at what you've done with the place. And I said, well, no, please do stay, because I'm desperate for some people to stay. 
Uh, my ego's tied up in this in a way you can't even imagine. Please stay. <laughs> Please stay. And if you would, stay for, stay for a number of years. That would be great. And so Don did stay uh, for a little while. And uh, he, before, before, he, before the service, he just looked at me. He just wasn't really focusing on anything I was saying. But he looked at me and said, God is going to do incredible things in this place. I said, how do you know? He said, trust me, I know. God's going to do incredible things in this place. The next week, we met for lunch. And Don told me a story, which many of you know. The story of a dream that he had at the end of 2011, some five and a half years earlier. And in the dream, he was driving down Mansfield Road. Uh, and he stopped his car because he saw people exiting what is this building from the doors most of you have entered from probably on Mansfield Road. And he saw people exiting and they were wearing all white gowns. And as soon as they came out of the doors, they fell down on the floor. And uh, he was obviously perturbed, a bit worried by this. And he was worried he didn't want to run them over. So he stopped his car and he went out and he thought, what on earth is going on? And he heard a voice in his mind, the voice of God. And the voice said, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. He could hear another voice, and the voice was a person's voice. So he went into the building where the voice is coming from and went through another set of double doors, which was where we were gathering on that very morning. And he, and he looked around and he said, I, could, I was part of it. It was worship of the like I'd never seen in my life before. And he said, I, could exp- I knew God was there. And, um, and I could see at the front a, a, a minister was baptizing people. And as soon as they came out of the waters of baptism, they were wearing all white. They went out of the building from this worship into the city and they fell down under the power of the Holy Spirit. He had that dream at the end of 2011. And so he did uh, what uh, people who God speaks to like that do. <laughs> he began to pray. And about six months later, he began to pray at the building just here. He pulled up in the car park. We're just outside the car park. And uh, began to pray, and he felt God had given him a scripture, Isaiah 55, and he began to pray that scripture, and he began to anoint, because God had said to him in another dream, go and consecrate the place. I will glorify myself in that place, that was the, the phrase, go and consecrate it. So he did, a liter of, uh, uh, probably a bottle of Evian filled with olive oil, he poured it all over every surface, and he did that one Sunday, and said, Lord, I've consecrated the building, go and do your thing. But the next week, God woke him up again and said, you need to pray. You've not finished. Consecrate that place. I'm going to glorify myself there. So he did. And he did that every Sunday for two and a half years, which took uh, us to the middle of something like 2014, end of 2014. And it was in the middle of 2016 that Don was in the middle of nowhere, Tolleton, I think he was, uh, with somebody who he worked for who was buying a building. And he ended up in the basement of the building with the agent. And the agent said to him, Don said to him, look, just out of desire to make conversation, uh, is the chapel connected to the purchase of the building? The guy said, no. Funnily enough, I have just sold a building to a church. It's not a normal church building. And Don said, what? Which, what's the building? I, I, I know, Don knows Nottingham well. I know there's no building in Nottingham that's a church that's, being, that's up for sale. He said, well, it's not a church building. It's actually the auction house on Mansfield Road. The very building that Don had been praying for all those years. He was in the middle of nowhere with the agent who had sold that building only a week earlier. God will glorify himself in this place. That was the vision. That is the vision. We stumbled upon the vision. It had nothing to do with us. Even before Bishop Paul had dreamed it up, God had dreamed it up. That is what this place exists for. And so we launched... 
uh, with that in our minds. Or actually, we launched without that in our minds and then caught up with the fact that God had it in his mind. And we'd really better get it in our minds. And uh, about, um, I think, a year and a bit later, October last year, 2018, we moved upstairs. Again, we have some pictures of this. And we were uh, pleased to have uh, Bishop Paul with us again and Nikki and Pippa Gumbel. And, um, and we did. We just... We launched this space, which we're now in. Our kids are now downstairs, and we haven't said much about the kids, but from the earliest days where Amy said in our front room, our, ki- our kids have been absolutely at the heart, the, the center of what God is doing here, because he's raising up a generation of revivalists, and it's not us. It's them. That's what he's doing. That's the vision. He's, he's building a church. He's building the, ge- the next generation of the church from the, literally from the floor up. And they, we'll talk about this in a little bit, they are leading us, aren't they? Spiritually, they're leading us. Yesterday, we were at a, a, a gathering for young leaders, and one young leader in the diocese said, I am, we asked, why are you here? This young leader said, I am here because I spend my time with kids in Trinity Kids, and I, I'm provoked by the spiritual hunger they have, and I need to catch up with what's going on there. I can't lead them and not be progressing in my faith in the way that they are. God is doing something. Ever since... Uh, we launched up here, we've been just pursuing the same stuff. We've ate loads of meals together. Uh, we've spent lots of time eating those wonderful samosas uh, uh, that Natalie brings on our shared meals. We've worshipped together. We've spent a disproportionate amount of our time just singing songs together to God because we want to see this place as a place of his glory where his name is famous. We've been forming community because this is about what we do vertically but it's also about connecting deeply and honestly with each other and we are learning aren't we to love our city to pray for our city and we are seeing increasingly our city join us as we gather our vision which has come from our story we've discovered it we stumbled across it we weren't clever enough or strategic enough to come up with it our vision is to see the church on fire We want to see God's church recover a passion and hunger for God. That's what we're here for. And we want to see our city alive because we don't believe it's possible to see a church on fire without the city being blessed. So with that, church on fire, city alive, we are desperate, you might have gathered, uh, to see and um, to see the presence of God come into the heart of the church. That's why we leave space, that's why we are always asking for him to have his way. And we believe, honestly, that this is the only hope. This is the only hope we have, is the presence of God among us. And this isn't because we want to um, seek, or we're seeking for a fuzzy feeling, or a feeling in itself, or the, you know, it is, it's so much more than that. We believe, don't we, that where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. Where the presence of God is, there is freedom. And so that is why we are so desperate to be open um, for him to come and move, for him to have his way. Um, we want to see um, people that are free to worship him fully, not to be held back by all the things that are so desperately wanting to hold us back from fully embracing um, who we were created to be, who we were made to be in Him, in his image. And we believe only the power of God can do that. We can't do that. We don't have the tools to help people become everything they've 
been created to be. Only God can do that. Only his presence can come and bring people freedom. And so that's why we want to see the presence of God here. We want to honor him. We want to see him move um, in this church and in the church um, as a whole, capital C. Um, It's his Holy Spirit that is working to bring life. His Holy Spirit is always working to make us more like Christ. And it is in this place we are made holy. So that is what we are about, completely. And that is not an, extent, an extension of Project Self. It is an extension of his kingdom, Project Kingdom. What Jesus began with is what we are continuing with, to continuing with. And for us, it is seeing his kingdom come in Nottingham as it is in heaven. So that is our purpose, our one vision, our one purpose, if you like. That is our why. That is why Trinity Church exists. But we do as well. We do love alliteration here. If you've just arrived, you will find we alliterate wherever possible. We have uh, one purpose, makes up our vision, but we also have three key priorities that fit in with that purpose. And much of it is repetition, because we also believe in repetition. But the three priorities, the first is that we would become, that we would be always a people of his presence. Again, we've already spoken about that, but we want to be a people of his presence. Yeah, and really this even begins with our story. You know, one of the reasons that we are so passionate about this is that it comes out of our story. This is what we know. This is what we've experienced. This is what we believe God is in the business of doing. Um, as some of you have heard my story before, but you know, I um, I grew up in a Christian home, but I I sort of went away from uh, my own faith sort of around my teenage years. Sort of went to live um, kind of my own way. At university, had a really um, difficult time, struggling with who I am, insecurities, just making bad choices. To be honest, the whole time. Um, and at the end of that, I went uh, traveling, uh, ended up in Australia. And, uh, and by this point, the Holy Spirit had been really working in my mind. And so I had um, decided I'd been on an alpha course um, and uh, read lots of books. And, uh, and I'd sort of decided in my head that, yeah, this is real. You know, I, I can sort of rationally, I can believe that this is true. Um, but it wasn't enough. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, my, my life wasn't being changed. I didn't see sort of um, transformation in my heart or my desires. It was hard work. Um, but I had decided. I decided that, yes, I believe in God. I'd said the prayer a million times. Um, and that was it for me. Um, ended up in a, in, a, uh, in a church in Australia, Sydney, um, where there was an opportunity to come forward to um, receive his presence, to say yes to Jesus. Um, and I came forward in this particular moment and I opened my hands up and I remember just begging God to make himself known to me. I was begging, I was saying, God, you know, make yourself known. If you make yourself known, I am yours. I am yours completely. You can have your way completely. Anyway, and in that moment, he, re- he revealed himself to me in power. You know, I felt a, a tangible sense of God's presence, you know, through me, in me. I felt the warmth. I didn't want to leave that moment. It was like God was literally standing right there, um, right in front of me. And again, I've shared this before. I woke up the next day and honestly... 
my whole life was changed. My desires changed. I saw the world in a whole new way. Um, I just had this deep, deep conviction that is still there that God is real and he is in the business of bringing people into freedom and to bringing uh, people into all they've created to be. That is a deep conviction that I will spend my life uh, preaching about and desperately wanting to see people coming into freedom. Um, anyway, so that was um, a moment for me, and that is partly why we are just so desperate about um, providing space for, for encounter for people to meet um, with the living God. And, uh, and, you know, this isn't just a, there was, this wasn't just a sort of one-time event. It was like this big sort of mountaintop moment because I know that isn't everyone's story. I know that isn't everyone's story. Encounters with God happen in so many different ways, in beautiful, simple, um, in, in obscure ways, um, 100%. There is no sort of, there's no um, sort of uh, manual for how God wants to show up um, to his people. Um, but this wasn't a one-time event. It was an ongoing um, openness um, that I had from that moment of wanting God, wanting the Holy Spirit to come into every single part of my life. It was like, hang on, this, the, the Holy Spirit has changed me. Why wouldn't I go up for more? Why wouldn't I seek him more? Why wouldn't I want more of this Holy Spirit in other areas of my life? You know, so birth this sort of hunger um, to see the Spirit of God working um, in every moment. Um, he was in me and was working even when I didn't know he was. You know, sometimes he's working, isn't he, so powerfully. When we can't even feel it, we don't even see it, we can't see what he's doing. But he is at work. And, um, and the more I surrendered to the work of his Holy Spirit, the more I, um, I gave up control, um, the more free I became. You know, it wasn't this sort of um, hard effort of like, okay, now I need to sort out this habit. Now I need to sort out this. Now I need to do this. And, I, you know, it's like, how can I be this, like, become this perfect um, person or get this amazing character or have all my habits in line? What actually I felt like the Holy Spirit was inviting me into was a letting go, was a surrender of it, was saying, I don't want to live like this anymore. I give it to you. I surrender every part of my life to your work because only you can set me free. Only you can set me free. So I want to give you every part of my life. And you know, surrender is quite hard work, isn't it? Because some of the stuff we hold on to, some of the stuff we want to control, some of the stuff actually makes us feel quite safe. And, if, and it's the work of the Holy Spirit that will gently help us surrender. And so it's this, it's this posture of surrender that actually brings us freedom. It isn't hard work, it's actually letting go, um, I believe. Um, and I, you know, I, I really believe that this is what he is doing amongst us. I believe that he is after a surrendered people, um, a weak army that have given over to him um, completely, given over the good bits, given over um, the things that we struggle with, given over, given over our strengths that we, you know, actually um, feel quite secure in. It's like this um, process of giving over everything that he will work um, through us, and ultimately, that's how he gains the glory. Because it's all his work anyway. And so we may as well hand it over for him to work more powerfully through us. Um, so he gets um, the glory. And, uh, oh, sorry, thanks. That was good because I lost my place. Um, 
Anyway, that's really it. That's kind of what I really care about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I've got to say about that. That's what Forrest Gump says, isn't it? But I did, just one, one thing though, what I do feel is, um, I do feel like there are, I feel like God's been really speaking to me about freedom, because it is something that I feel really passionate about, um, but he's been sort of reordering what, what freedom looks like, um, and I, you know, as I said, it is this sort of um, walking out in surrender more than it is grasping and trying hard, it is a, it's a posture of surrender and, and, and giving over control to him, and I do feel like there's some people here um, who who feel like they've got a passion or they feel like God is asking them to do something or they, there's a, um, a desire to sort of step out in obedience, whatever it looks like, um, but you just feel like you can't or I don't have the skills or um, maybe when I get that piece of my character sorted or maybe when I, whatever it is, and I just feel like there's a reordering. You know, I, I feel quite weak today. I know Johnny and George, we were saying, we actually feel quite weak, but it's not going to stop me sitting here and, sh and sharing what I feel God um, wants to share. And I feel like there are people here who feel quite weak, um, who feel like they can't, who feel like they don't have the skills or equipped or whatever it is. And I just feel like God is just saying, just surrender it. Say, I don't have it all together, God. I don't have my ducks in a row, but I'm saying yes to this because I want to step out in obedience because it's for your glory. I don't want to be held back by my own fear. It's for your glory. Um, anyway. And this is, this is Moses' heart, isn't it? The same heart that he, in Exodus 33, he's experienced in Exodus 3 the, the presence of God. He's encountered God at the burning bush. And to put it bluntly, he's ruined for everything and anything else. He says, if you're pleased with me, teach me a way so that I may know you. The biblical concept of knowing is always personal and intimate. I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing you've asked. Because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. What was God pleased with? Was it not that he asked for the presence to go with him? Was it not that Moses was hungry for God's presence? Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your face. We are hungry to see his face. I heard somebody say uh, in the last couple of weeks, I actually read it in a book. You know, we're to seek his face, not his hand. Like it's wonderful, isn't it, to receive things from the hand of God, gifts that he gives, and he's so generous. He's always offering what's in his hand, but actually, first and foremost, we come because we want to see his face. We want to see, his, his, want to see uh, him eye to eye. We want to gaze upon his beauty, inquire on him in his temple, as Psalm 27 says. I uh, heard this week somebody else uh, quote a lady called Evelyn Underhill, who was a uh, I think an Anglican uh, mystic around the time of the, I think it was the Second World War, could be wrong on exactly the war, but around that time. And she said this, God is the interesting thing about religion. So obvious, it's true, isn't it? The interesting thing about religion, the interesting thing about church is God. 
It's God. It's him. He's the only, th- he's the only reason it's worth being here. I mean, it's great to be with you guys. You're awesome. And you sounded singing particularly good this morning, I thought. You know, we're not that interesting. And in a few weeks, you will get to the bottom of sort of our stories and our repertoire, our jokes. They're all dad jokes now. Anyway, God is the only reason to keep coming to church. He's the only reason. It's, if it's not him, it's pointless. He's the only interesting thing about this. And we know you love him because of the way you are with one another, because of the way that you're growing in him. 95% of you in a survey we did a little while ago said that your high point of being at Trinity was, was, was worship. You just love worshiping. You just love what happens. And we do too. That's our high point of the week is being with you. In worship, which meant even the Wales-Australia game didn't match up to what I could have been a part of. And so really that means um, that we are shooting for simplicity. Um, you might have noticed that this, pace, this, this space is quite simple. Um, it's getting more and more beautiful, though, as the time goes on. Um, and, uh, you know, this is why we also allow for space. Like I said, you know, we allow for um, God to move. Often Johnny and I come up here and we're, we sort of lead those moments. And we're not sure. You know, we don't know what God's doing. We're just desperately trying to hear and obey in those moments of where he's leading us, what he's saying to us. Um, and this can be messy sometimes. You know, we want to allow for some mess for God to sort of show up in the ways that he wants to show up. Um, it's a it's an invitation we don't coerce anyone to do anything you know this is all um sort of on you this is all an invitation of how much you want to um sort of step in um to um to this um sort of your growth is in your hands if it were if, if that sounds good um we um, have a list here as i said that was is quite open we don't plan every second um and we, are, we just want to be um, guided by him. The structure is very, very flexible here. And for some of you guys, you love a bit of flexibility. And for some of you, it's like, oh, goodness, just give us a plan so we can get through. You know, so if you, you know, you, you know we, uh, there, is a, there is a plan. It just is a, there is flexibility just with that. It's just a bit that. wobbly. Um, so... Yeah, we're more, talking more about the plan uh, next week. There we, we go. So much plan. But we also want to be... So many plans. We want to be a people of his presence. Our second priority is that we want to be a people who practice his ways. Now, these next two points won't take uh, quite as long to land, but we want to be a people who practice his ways. Again, shooting for alliteration, presence, and now practice. I've kind of said that. You carry on with practice. Yeah, so again, the Apostle Paul, interesting, if you want to open second to Second Corinthians 3, it was our second reading, I believe. The Apostle Paul picks up this, this motif, if you like, of Moses encountering with, with God. And, and just after, around this text actually, Moses goes up the mountain and he, and he spends so long away from the people. And he comes down and his face is glowing. And his face is glowing so bright that the people ask him to put a veil on. It's, it's, it's hurting their eyes and they can't bear his glory. The glory of God reflected in the face of Moses. And, and Paul the Apostle, when he's speaking to the church in Corinth, picks up this story. And he says this in verse 16. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In other words, we don't look at God with a veil. We actually get to look at him with unveiled faces. Now the Lord is the Spirit. 
And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, which is the Spirit. This life, therefore, that God has for each of us is not just a one-hit uh, encounter life. It's not just about spiritual highs, as Amy said. It is actually about becoming people who practice his presence every day, who walk in his ways every day. And the word here that's used is contemplate. And I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of contemplation. It is probably candles. And yes, there can be candles involved. But actually, it's just about a posture. It's not just about... <laughs> Uh, a particular environment in a room, contemplating God's glory is a posture for life. It is about living a life that is always attuned and turned to his face. And that is a ch- we want to be that church. In other words, a church that practices his presence every day. Who is as serious about gathering to worship as we are about practicing his presence when we're not here. When we're at work, in the midst of the tea room. Uh, at work or by the water cooler or amongst our children if that's what we do for most of our time wherever we are becoming a people who are shaped by practice and and we've had this as part of our trinity story from day one in fact we used to meet uh, as Amy said in here and then in St Barnabas and we only we only did that every two weeks and so we had to come up with a way to keep this thing sort of moving together while we weren't physically together so we said well what has the church done throughout history well, they sort of prayed the same prayers at the same time. So why don't we do that? So we all committed, those of us who were part of this then, to praying uh, a psalm a day in the morning. The same psalm. We would pray through a psalm. And then at lunchtime, our alarms would go off. It still happens for some of us at midday. And we'd pray the Lord's Prayer. Wherever we were across the city, some doing in hospital theatres, others in lecture theatres, others in, uh, in bed probably for some of the students and uh, <laughs> no judgment here uh, and various other places but we began, we prayed the Lord's Prayer together at the same time and in the evening we all committed to praying what's called the examine, just a, a, a simple prayer that reviews the day in the light of God's presence, practice from the off and that's been the story of Trinity from day one, that's been the story of uh, Jesus' church from day one. The church has always done that. The church throughout history has found simple ways to practice God's presence. And that's the way that Jesus did it, wasn't it? He just, he just invited people along uh, with him. And as they walked with him, they just picked up these simple ways to commune with the Father. And we want to be a church that takes practicing his presence, that takes uh, things like spirit-filled disciplines as seriously as we do things like charismatic worship. Because we want this to be really, really deep. We want it to be deep. You know, the critique of churches which are really charismatic is often that they're shallow. I want us to be so freaking deep. I want us to be deep in the way that we think about God and the world. I want us to be a place where you can, that you can't go deeper than we're willing to go. We've got a theological college in the middle, middle of our church, you know. Started just three weeks ago. People are coming here from all over this region to study theology. Isn't that the way it should be? Theology in the heart of the church. I want us to be as thoughtful as anywhere. I want us to be deep in the way that we practice. I want us to, I want us to discover the ancient paths. You know, the answers for the future often usually lie in the past. We are not going to discover radically new ways to pray that people haven't already figured out. The, the prayers Jesus taught his disciples to pray, it's, already, it's the best one. Let's pray it. 
But let's go deep in it. Let's be deep people. Because the, the great problem in our world is shallowness, isn't it? So let's become a people who are so deep, not intense, not, you know, boring, and, but joyful, deep in joy, deep in peace, deep in grace and mercy, deep in thought. Let's, let's think the kind of thoughts that magnify God, magnify his name with me, let's rejoice in his name together. Let's magnify him in the way that we just are Every day, practice his presence. Probably enough on that. With that, we want to be a people, third P. A people who join in with his purposes. A people who are filled with his presence, practicing his ways, walking in his footsteps, will not be able to help themselves, but joining in with his purpose. Isaiah 58, three Bibles for you today. Here we go, verse 12. Your people, says the Lord, to Isaiah will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age old foundations you'll be called repairer of broken walls restorer of streets with dwellings you know there's this picture here uh, I should actually have started uh, from verse 11 it says the Lord will guide you always he'll satisfy your needs in the sun scorched land will strengthen your frame you will be like a well watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail. This is a vision of the presence of God being poured out from the heart of the people of God. That's this well-watered garden. Those of you who have read the rest of the Bible, you know that the Bible begins with a garden and it ends with a garden. And at the heart of the garden is a stream. This is the motif that Isaiah is picking up on. It's about a a well-irrigated people, a people who are flowing with his presence. And the result of that is restoration and repair for the city. That's what we're about. We're about seeing the presence of God at the heart of the city. We believe Mansfield Road is going to be a river. We believe it's to be a river for our city, that people receive uh, the presence of God. Uh, We heard a story this week about, uh, about a bishop who had uh, a complaint, received the true story, received a complaint from a member of a local church, and they came to him and said that they particularly wanted to complain about their vicar. And maybe some of you have done this. Uh, this isn't, by the way, this isn't, uh, a, this isn't a story about our bishop, I should say. The bishop asked the, the complainer, why? And the, the person who brought the complaint said, the vicar keeps inviting new people to come along to church. Ah, said the bishop, do we need to talk about what the church is for? The whole point of this, the church exists for people who don't know Jesus. The people who've never tasted the, the water that comes from him. Who've never, never felt the refreshment of his presence. Who don't understand that it makes a difference that Jesus died for you. You don't understand that it really makes a difference to your life when you understand that your sins are forgiven and that God is not accusing you. That he's your friend and that he's your father. That that makes a difference. And we want to join in with what God, God is telling that message already to people in the city. And it's our job to join with him as he does. And we want to um, continue to equip, you know, with worship and teaching and community. Um, but just a little side story. We, um, Johnny and I used to work in the city um, of, in London. Uh, we had real jobs. 
at the time. And, uh, and I used to work in IT recruitment, which is hilarious uh, to think about that right now. Um, and, uh, and around my table, you know, I was an on fire, you know, just met Jesus, telling everyone type person at the time. And uh, sat around my table whilst doing work. Um, I would have the most amazing conversations with people around my desk about spirituality, life, faith, all of it, you know. And, uh, and they would ask me a ton of questions all the time. And I honestly didn't feel equipped. I felt like I was winging it quite a lot of the time. And I would obviously have my own story and my own convictions. But there was an equipping that I just feel like I didn't have when I was the one that was sort of on the front line, we sort of felt like in our church context at the time, there were loads of, um, you know, uh, sort of courses about how to become a better worship leader or how to become a better teacher or how to become a better uh, pastor. Um, but there wasn't a street, there wasn't a sort of a, a, a course for how do you share the gospel? How, when all of your people at work are asking you all these questions, how do you respond? What do you, you know, there, there wasn't that equipping. And really from that time, we felt really passionate about what we can do to help equip the people, um, the church people who are on the front line outside of this building. You know, that we really want to see um, that happen. And one of the ways we're going to talk about next week um, along with many other things next week of detail and plans, which are really exciting, and ways in which you guys can um, really sort of come in the center of what's happening, um, is we want to um, have these things called streams um, that are basically places of equipping, um, real application. You know, you have the preach on a Sunday, but how do you apply it? How do you actually live this out? Um, and we're going to sort of um, begin to launch those on a Tuesday night of lots of different types of topics. Um, so that's more to come next week. But and all we want to say as we close, we just want to tell you a few stories because we are already seeing this coming to pass. Not in the way that we imagine and dream fully, but we are beginning to see this. We're beginning to see it in Trinity Kids. Uh, we are seeing, and we just asked some of our team just to share some stories. Uh, one person said, we're seeing this with the creativity of our kids. We're seeing prayer. We're seeing songwriting. And people meeting with God, kids meeting with God in an incredible way. Uh, there's a picture here, I think, on the screen of uh, what, graffiti that one of our children graffitied on their own bed. It says, if you can't see it, do a new thing, God. This is, this is what's coming out of Trinity Kids. We're, we, we've, we know kids uh, in our, in our uh, kids who, church who are already writing songs with Joanne who have dreams to lead God's people in worship. We're seeing this in Trinity Tots. We're seeing people gather uh, in Trinity Tots who would have no business, they would say, being a part of church. They're coming and they're experiencing God's presence. We're seeing it in Alpha. Alpha is, has been for us a place of honesty, a place of vulnerability. One person particularly, after watching the video uh, last year that Paul Cowley shared, realized uh, in that moment that God could change uh, the heart of men and could change their heart. We're seeing this amongst our young adults. Uh, there's a particular story somebody shared about seeing someone released in the last couple of years from anxiety and a shadow that they'd been carrying around through him being good to them. And now they want Jesus more than anything. They're investing their lives in prayer, in community, in purpose. Another story of one young man who's been connected to young adults these last couple of years who arrived unsure of himself, unsure of his faith. Uh, and who, who, not in an immediate way, not with an immediate transformation, but slowly and surely, has he, as he has spent time 
as part of this community, has adopted simple practices of prayer and scripture, has become somebody who has confidence in who God has made him to be, in himself, who is a man who is hungry for God, who is serving at the moment uh, in a different city, uh, the NHS, actually sharing his faith with his peers, beginning to sense God's call on his life. We have a one young adult who... Uh, last year, didn't think they were cut out for ministry or student ministry is now part of our team, interning with us and enabling students to meet with God. We're seeing this in our youth. Shall I carry on? We're seeing this in our youth. We, uh, this summer, we saw two of our young people uh, baptized this last Easter. Uh, we, we saw uh, at Soul Survivor, I think, uh, a, a non-Christian member of our youth begin to engage in worship. Uh, which is a bit confusing, isn't it? If you're not a Christian and you start worshipping. And uh, we're seeing the first fruits of prayer ministry uh, that our youth team started in the summer term. We're witnessing our young people learn to pray for each other, to begin to receive and share prophetic words for one another. Uh, our youth were on the streets last night praying for people who were coming and going from Goose Fair, handing out uh, what uh, they know as candy. So there's an American influence somewhere there. Uh, we're seeing this a prayer on the streets. I can't share all of these stories. Let me just share a couple. Uh, uh, George has written most of these to me. He says, I think of A, uh, that's a name, uh, beginning with, as a letter actually, it stands for a name, who we met a prayer on the streets. Uh, we had a word that we'd meet a lady who had lost a son and was having financial difficulty. We met her and sensed she might be that person. As we shared, she began to weep and told us about her son who had died in a car accident and her anxiety over money. As she was going through a, diff- uh, and she was going through a difficult court case, we prayed for her. God met her, filled her with hope and love as she was weeping. He says, I think of T, who many in our community prayed for over a period of months. When we first met him, he was severely depressed. I met him. Him, he was. He felt no hope in his life. As we began to pop in to see him and pray, the hope of Jesus began to fill his life. He began to tell friends and others working at his business. One evening, I, that is uh, not I, but George, came to see him and people knew who I was because they'd been gossiping about Jesus. He'd been gossiping about Jesus uh, and these people from the church up the road. Uh, George once found him asleep upstairs, uh, clutching his cro- cross necklace. He told me how he began to pray and how it saved his life. He said that he feared he might have ended his life had we not prayed for him. This is what we're seeing. I think of M, a woman who had severe neck pain, and as we prayed for her down in, down in the city, she began to physically experience healing. I think of E, who God had seen long before we set out from the building. We felt God say that we'd meet a woman with pink hair and a broken heart. As we began praying for her, she cried at the thought that God would care enough about her to send two ordinary people to tell her about his love. I think of Dee, a man who lives on the streets and has experienced friendship and home at Trinity. I think of Dee, another Dee, who told us he was an atheist and by the end of the conversation asked us to pray that if God was real, he would reveal himself to him. I could carry on. I think of M who'd grown up around church but has discovered Jesus for himself. I mean, the list goes on and on. I have to say, this is my favorite. I think of N. A Portuguese restaurant, possibly Nando's, in town who gossip about Jesus because people from our community ask waiting staff if they want prayer. I think of X, a mechanic that was rescuing one of our congregation, ended up leaving having been prayed for with an invitation to Alpha. People are receiving God, they're experiencing his presence, they're learning, aren't we learning step by step to practice his presence, to walk in his ways, and aren't we learning as well uh, to join in with his purposes? This is who we want to be. 
It's really simple. It's not new. I don't know how... Uh, I, I, I don't know how sexy it is. That was the word I was trying not to use. <laughs> but I just couldn't. But isn't it exciting to just do the simple stuff with Jesus? Why don't we stand?